Welcome everybody to the Rooted and Edified show. We have a special guest, Manny Elias. Hello. Woo! That's my happy dance. Woo, 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 woo. Okay. Um, welcome. Um, you're tuning in today for the our first episode here, and the title of our episode is Testimony by Manny Elias. And you may or may not know, but Manny Elias is my husband. Very fortunate. Very. I'm blessed. Lucky. I'm blessed. Blessed. Right. Not lucky. Blessed. Um, Okay, so before we start our podcast today, um, I want to remind you of a couple things. The podcast today is sponsored by Beautifully Rooted and is part of Beautifully Rooted, which is a Christian mental health and education corporation. And this Rooted and Edified show is a fun-loving, no-facade, conservative Christian worldview show for men and women who want to hear about real-life testimonies. We're going to get started with Manny's testimony. Um, who also want to hear about topics and want to be encouraged to grow deeper and more mature in your Christian walk and deeper in your relationship with Christ, of course, um, with hopefully a few laughs on the side. Hopefully a Absolutely. lot. Absolutely. A lot of puns. A lot of puns, right. for sure. Exactly. Um, we kind of live off puns. That's right. We do. A little bit, don't we? I think so. Okay, um, as a reminder, this is a video podcast, so if you prefer viewing that is available to you. It's also an audio podcast that you can download and listen to as well. Um, and if you um, are excited and you want to dive deeper into what we do here and you want to maybe be help us out or be part of it, um, check out our website, um, beautifullyrooted.com, www.beautifullyrooted, which is B-E-Y-O-U-T-I-F-U-L-L-Y, rooted.com. All right. So, Mr. Elias. Yes, Mrs. Elias. There you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, and, you know, just a, a brief kind of what are you doing now? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, um, like you said, I'm your husband, and I'm very blessed to be your husband. It's true. Father of six. It's you know, true. And, um, well, I currently work in the lending business. That's what I do now, right? But I think more than to talk to about well, what I do now is you don't want to share a testimony. Yeah. So can you tell us where the Lord brought you from? Let's start out. Let's just jump in. Absolutely. Um, where the Lord brought you from, where he brought you to, and how he got you there. All right. So I'll give you the um, condensed version, you okay. know, because I know my, my testimony could take a very long time to, to share. We'll have part two and three. And part and two and three. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so um, I came to the Lord around 1993, the beginning of 1993, January, February of 1993. And um, our background is, you know, prior to coming to faith in Jesus, um, I was somewhat involved in different things. And a lot of it having to do, obviously, I was, I was only 19 years old. So a lot of it had to do with my upbringing and with my, my mother and her friends and my stepfather. And a lot of it um, involved a lot of... Um, witchcraft, santeria, and a lot of what's what's mm -hmm. called um, occultism, pretty much, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Practicing the occult. Um, even though my mother was a, a professing Catholic, and actually so was my stepfather, and we'd actually read the Bible once in a while. But for sure, for sure, um, the things they practiced were definitely unbiblical. Um, mm -hmm. We would go to spiritual mediums, you know. Um, Not mediums. Mediums, mediums, mediums. Yes. Okay. mediums. <laughs> Um, and then we'd also, what's it called? We're heavily involved in like metaphysics. Um, I tried a lot of transcendental meditation. I got into Eastern philosophy and even try to practice something called um, astral projection, mm -hmm. which is where you try to leave your body, you know? And um, I was all caught up in these things because my, my mother took us to these places and 
And I think that that actually fed my curiosity mm. a lot more. And wanting to, to deal in the spiritual, mm. but no allegiance to Christ. I didn't right. want anything to do with Jesus, but I wanted something to do with spirituality. It's so common now. It's so common. Very yeah. common theme, absolutely. And um, what happened was my, my mother, like I said, started going to these spiritual mediums. Then a lot of a couple of her friends were santeros, you know, mm-hmm. so they, they consider themselves like white witches, you know, it's mm-hmm. like white magic versus black magic. And then um, um, I did have this lady that came over to our house and she spat venado blanco, which is a drink, a rum, all over my face, claiming she was baptizing me, mm-hmm. you know. I had my little coconut, I think it was to either Alegua or something like that, one of the, the saints. And um, I'd, you know, give him candy in the morning and weird, weird practices. My mother would smoke like a, a cigar and blow it on hmm. St. Simon it was, you know, um, to kind of ward off evil spirits, to counter any type of witchcraft that a friend. And it was always a relative or a friend. You go to these witches and they tell you, Hey, your friend or your relative is doing witchcraft on you. Has te tienen un trabajo? They'd say they're mm. working you. They're working you. You know. Um, so I would say that a high percentage of, of it was probably just charlatans, straight up charlatans. And I do think there was that small percentage that really were de- demon possessed. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, sure. that's what led our family into a, a, a terrible, very dark downward spiral. My stepfather and mother started um, literally f- um, beating each other up wow. really bad, like physically, physically um, hurting each other. And they do it in front of me. They didn't care. And to the point where I was so conflicted because I love my stepdad like a dad. You know, he's the only dad I really knew growing up. And then, you know, my, my mother did some things that I thought, okay, you know, in, in machismo, maybe this is she deserves it or whatever. But ultimately, I'm also her son. So I was so conflicted as a child, you know, yeah. growing up. I was like 14 years old, and I almost, you know, attempted to break my stepdad's head open with a bat. Wow. You know, and, and I'm like, it, it just kept getting darker and darker. I started getting heavily into drugs. You know, yes, as a teen growing up in South Central L.A., and then moving to Koreatown, L.A., um, during a huge, huge wave of um, crack addiction, crack cell, a lot of on, on narcotics being sold in my building, you know, a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of drug dealers, gangs, everything, you know, it was, it was, it was like watching a, 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 a hardcore gangster movie. Mm. You know, that's what my life was like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the things you see in a gangster movie, you know, like, um, people selling drugs, people get getting shot, um, by a drive by like every single night in my neighborhood, Wow. getting used to what we call the ghetto bird at night, you know, the helicopter, you know, because, there was just people getting shot, and we were so, um, how can I say this? What's the word that I'm looking for is we were so uh, desensitized mm-hmm. to, to crime and to evil to the point where I just started getting into, into drugs. I started sniffing, you know, um, nail polish. Mm. And then from there, I tried cement once or twice, and I did everything under the sun pretty much. I was 12, 13 years old when I started. Wow. That's, so by the time I was, it is crazy. That. It is crazy. The kids around that age. And by the time I was 19, whew, man, I had already done everything, man. Everything except heroin, pretty much. Did acid, almost committed suicide doing acid. And then it got to the point where I wanted nothing to do with Christ. You know, and during this time, my mother um, did visit a church and she converted for a while. You know, she backslid as well. But during the time she converted, you know, she would always invite me to church. 
Mijo, you know, let's go to church. The Lord can change you. And man, I had such a way. I was so, so deceitful. So, mm. um, what's it called? Wily. I was so tricky with my mom. You know, I'd always deceive her, making her think that I was not a drug addict, even though all her friends told her, Manny's doing drugs, Manny's a drug addict, Manny's involved in this and that, I'm stealing cars, I'm doing all these things. But somehow I always had a way of convincing my mom, oh, wow. of, of persuading her uh, to, to what's it called, to, to not believe her friends and even feel guilty accusing me of doing mm. drugs. And I would actually even tell her, now just so that you know, so you could know what it feels like to be, you know, um, what's it called? Um, betrayed you're betraying mm. me mom by even thinking this of me now I'm really gonna go do drugs I would threaten her with that do you think that it was it worked for a while because of the influence of the devil absolutely the it worked of deceit and lies? absolutely he is the father of lies the father of deceit mm -hmm. and I was really good at deceiving my mom and it got to the point guys where my mother was already going to a Christian church and believe it or not man I was so shameless mm. I actually told her that I saw her pastor smoking drugs in the alley where we lived near where we lived. And because of that, she stopped going. She goes, no, mijo, it can't be true. I'm like, mom, I swear to God, mom, I really did see him. I'm like, what is that in me that hated Christianity so much? Wow. And then I went from doing a whole bunch of little side jobs because I never really got a stable job back then, you know? Well, it's hard but, to have a stable job doing crack. And I did, yeah, correct. And I did start working when I was like 13, 14. So I had a whole bunch of jobs, you know, uh, from working at a Carl's Jr. fast food restaurants to being an assistant everything, pretty much. Assistant carpenter, assistant plumber, assistant carpet installer. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I was an, a, a, an assistant carpet installer. And I remember that I once cut my um, my thumb as I was cutting a, a carpet. And it was, I think it was a Berber carpet or a thicker carpet. And one of those carpets where, man, you can't get blood on it because then oh, wow. you have to do a little Mickey Mouse job to cover your, 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 your mistake, you know, your your error. So I was bleeding and I kid you not guys, I still remember this so vividly and, and it's etched in my in my mind and it's to my own shame, but you know, I I looked up to heaven after cutting myself, guys, and I cursed the name of the Lord hmm. three times. It was weird. Hmm. Once I started seeing the number three later on, I'll, I'll tell you guys more, you know, as I um, um what's it called, go through my testimony, but I remember later in hindsight in hindsight, seeing that and saying, reading in scripture where the Lord would ask Simon three times, who denied him three times. And then I remember looking up to heaven and there was just something in me, so so strong, so vehement, that I looked up to heaven and cursed the name of the Lord. And I specifically, hmm. Jesus Christ, I said. Somehow, even though I wanted everything to do with spirituality, but nothing to do with Christ, mm -hmm. but I knew somehow Cursing him, though, mm. that was weird. I think I really do think that it was a demonic force within me. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I even remember thinking to myself, why did I just curse the name of Jesus? Mm. I, back then, I didn't say the Lord, but I said, what does Jesus have to do with me cutting myself? Mm. Why do I hate Jesus? Mm. And it got to the point where when my mother was going back to church, you know, she... Um, she, she would see that I'd come home really high, really high. You know, I was already selling drugs. I accidentally actually one day sold drugs to one of my mother's co-workers, and that's how she found out, you know? Oh. She's like, and he told me you even stuck your head all the way in the van. He could have shocked you. He could have stolen from you. He goes, you know what? And I was like, Mom, no, that's not wow. true. I would still deny it, guys. But then finally, you know. You think she believed you? Man, I think my mother did believe me. I really do oh, think wow. she did, you know? She didn't want to think that her son was a drug addict, yeah, a crack addict, a drug dealer. 
And then, you know, I did get involved in gangs. I got jumped into two little gangs I never wanted to get jumped into, you know? So all this stuff that I was doing, finally, you know, um, it got to the point where I thought I had controlled drugs. I thought I had control over that mm. part of my life. And, and most people that do it always think that. No, I can, I can stop whenever I want, you wow. know? Especially when you're caught up in a lot of Eastern philosophy and ideology of like, you know, um, self-realization, self-empowerment. Mm -hmm. It's all about self. I can do this. I can stop. And I remember... Like God a little bit. Correct. Mm -hmm. Self-idolatry, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I remember that one day... Um, my mother saw me really high, and, and, and she just saw that my, my countenance was like, um, how, how can I say this? My it was in distress. It was distraught. Mm. I had a very distraught look, and I came, and my mother's like, what's wrong? And even though I didn't want anything to do with Jesus, and I, and I thought I could get, get out of drugs on my own, I remember telling my mother, mom, crying and telling her, I'm a crack addict. And I'm like, and I can't stop anymore. I've been doing this since I was 13, 14. Well, mm -hmm. doing drugs since 12, 13. But I started smoking crack like at 14. And it became something, guys, that I did every single day. Mm -hmm. There were times where during the weekends, man, we'd smoke. We'd mix it with marijuana and smoke like 30 rocks in one weekend with my friends, you wow. know. And we'd end up like this. Like your whole body is just twitching. Your whole body. Like, mm -hmm. and, and, and I just felt so numb and dumb really numb and dumb and i remember that i confessed to my mother and and i remember that my mother you know um being a loving obviously loving me as her as her child she embraced me she hugged me and that part was totally fine i accepted it until she uttered mm. these words mijo give your life to jesus he can save you from this and I remember, guys, so vividly, as soon as my mother said this, I did this, guys. I wiped my tears, and I pushed her away. Mm. I don't need Jesus, Mom. I can do this on my own, implying Jesus is only for the weak. And I was weak, you know, but I didn't see it that way. And I remember that I, I told my mom, you know, um, I can do this on my own, Mom. And she's like, no. And I'm like, I just, I would shut her up. I would cut her off. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. So what did my mom start to do as a, as a, as a, as a um, concerned Christian mom? We were very poor. So I never really got to even sleep on a bed, guys, until I was like maybe in my late 20s. Mm. Imagine that. I slept on a sofa for the longest time. Sometimes there were, we always had people staying with us, always. So sometimes there were six, eight, ten of us in a one-bedroom apartment. And I remember I slept either on the floor or on the couch. And I remember that as, as I was asleep... I'd hear like a megaphone, like a voice on a megaphone, like ah, so loud. And I'd wake up and lo and behold, it was my mother on her knees mm. praying fervently yet quietly like Hannah. Hannah is um, Samuel's uh, mom, right? In the book of Judges, Samuel, in the story of Samuel. And I remember that I would um, yell at my mom. And say, wow. stop, stop, you're yelling in my ear. And my mother would say, I'm just not, I'm just whispering, son. I'm just praying for you, well, whispering. You heard it loud, huh? And I heard it so loud, guys. It was all those demonic forces. And I gradually started feeling the darkness more and more and more in my life, man. And, you know, I'd hang out with my buddies at this donut shop by on the corner of Olympic and Vermont in Koreatown. By that time I had already 
you know, stolen cars with some Korean crazies. It was a local gang, Koreatown. I had, you know, um, what's it called? Roam the streets with some other gang called Orphans and some other gang called mm -hmm. Party Locals and all, all, all these associations with Mara Salvatrucha, Drifters, all these different types of gangs, you know? And thank God that um, um, I, I never got killed and I, 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 didn't, I didn't die doing all those things. That's why I actually have this scar right here on my mm -hmm. forehead. This is from stealing cars. And I crashed in a stolen car, you know? And um, by the time I was 19, I really thought I knew it all. I really thought I knew it all, and I, I didn't need my mom. I don't need my mom, and I'm sorry, I don't need Jesus. I don't need, actually, yeah, I thought. I, ironically, I live with her, but I thought I was super independent. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't need anybody else I'm thinking I'm self-sufficient. And I had all these plans for my life, you know, being self-sufficient and all that stuff, until finally, God knows how to reach us. Absolutely. And I remember one night my mother, as I was going to go, um, you know, on a, on a little drug um, selling and drug doing adventure, you know, my mom told me she had a premonition. She goes, um, son, don't go out tonight. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that something really bad is going to happen to you. Please do not go out. Stay home. And I remember telling mom, you're superstitious. You're crazy. No, nothing's going to happen to me. And I went out. I went to go sell drugs to a friend. And I remember even slightly prior to that, I'd be at that friend's house, and um, I'd start seeing, like, shadows running all over the walls. Hmm. And I'd freak out. I'd get so scared to the point where even my friends who were also on drugs, they were like, what's going on, man? And I'm like, do you guys not see these shadows on the walls? And I'm like, uh-oh, am I losing my mind? Am I seeing things? And I remember that um, my friends would sometimes, out of, I guess, not compassion, but would it be sympathy or whatever, would say yeah yeah i see them too agreement and i'm like oh, okay good they're like no we actually don't man you're going crazy bro stop it and i'm like man i don't i don't want to smoke anymore and i thought i could stop smoking but it was more because of the fear thinking i'm losing my mind i'm seeing things and i'm hearing things that's what i started seeing and suddenly that night and i started hearing voices and it didn't stop and it didn't stop and they got louder and louder and then suddenly um i got home and my mother's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, mm. she saw how, how distraught I looked. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to go read a book on metaphysics, trying to calm oh myself down. Then I'm going to read another book. And I kid you not, guys, we actually had a Bible on our shelf. And I remember thinking, maybe I should read the Bible. Hmm. But always a louder voice. No, 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 that's terrible. Don't even read that book. Somehow, something always hindered me when I even had the thought and deep in my heart of wanting to read the Bible. A louder thought took over my, my mind and said, nope. So that night I remember um, thinking, you know what, I'm hearing voices, but it'll, it'll stop, you know. And I went to go wash my face. And I remember as soon as I washed my face and I looked in the mirror, I just looked yellow, yellow, yellow. And I just literally felt like another force enter my body. It was mm -hmm. scary, really scary, like a movie type scary. And I'm like... <gasps> And I just remember suddenly, I don't know now, but I think I know, I started having a panic attack. And I'm like, what is this? I couldn't uh, um, fathom that this would happen to me. And I'm like, I'm 19 years old. I can control my mind. What's going on here? Mm. And obviously, in hindsight, after I started reading scripture, I realized that's kind of like what happened to Nebuchadnezzar when he lost his mind. You know, God gave him the mind of a beast, the scripture mm -hmm. says, mm -hmm. because he exalted himself before God and he didn't give glory to God. And I think that's what I was doing in my life. Hmm. I did not want to give glory to God. I want attribute anything good only to myself, that I had all the power in the universe that's and I could, I, I could control my own life, you know? Mm -hmm. And finally, God humbled me. 
And I really started hearing these voices and I thought, guys, man, I'm going to either kill myself or something's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. What, what, what do I do here? And finally, um, I remember hearing another voice, but this voice was soft yet firm, a very firm yet soft voice, kind of like when Elijah, the Lord told him to go, I think it was to Mount Carmel. And when the, the Elijah was there, he said, you know what, wait for me, I'm going to appear. And then I think he heard a strong wind. Then there was a, a, a what's it called, a fire or something. And it, the Lord was in not, none of those things until finally he heard a very soft whisper and stillness, quiet. And then he knew the Lord is there. Hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, I heard that voice. It was firm, though, and I knew this is not, this is not from that dark force. This is something else. And you know what that voice told me, guys, was give your life to Jesus today or the devil will kill you. Hmm. And I remember even nodding, not nodding, but, you know, shaking my head and saying, no, 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 no. I don't want to give my life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus or the devil will kill you. Wow. And I remember then thinking, no, I'm not. You needed it so strong. Ooh, you man. so strong in what you were doing. You needed such a strong. I did, man. Oh, man. Message. And it's, I, I love um, Psalm 119. There's several places in Psalm 119 where the scripture says in different ways you know um, before I was afflicted mm -hmm. I went astray yeah, but now meaning after I was afflicted now I love your commandments mm -hmm. in, your, in your faithfulness you have afflicted me it is good for me that I was afflicted that's what it says it, it is good in your faithfulness you have afflicted me if it were not for your love and kindness right. I would have perished in my affliction. Where would you have been? What would I have done with that affliction? Would I would probably killed myself or done something dumb, you know? But somehow that voice kept saying this to me. And I was like, man, okay, okay. I remember finally agreeing in my spirit saying, okay. Almost like reluctantly, you know, but okay. Like there's no other choice, okay. And then suddenly um, I, what's it called, um, told my mother. And my mother was in the bathroom, and I knocked on her door, and I'm like, um, mm -hmm. Mom. And she's like, I'm knocking really loud on her door. Mom, 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 this is urgent, urgent. She's like, what's wrong with me? What do you need? And I remember, guys, I said it in Spanish to her. Necesito a Cristo. Hmm. She's like, whoa. Maybe you translate. I need the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. I need Christ. That's what I told her. I knocked mm -hmm. on the door, and I said, Mom. And I remember her saying, what do you want? You know, I'm in the bathroom. I'm like, mm -hmm. I need Jesus. I need him now. And she's like, she went out of the bathroom. She's like, what did you just say? You need Jesus? Like, moms are always like, I always get interrupted in <laughs> the bathroom. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. And then the thing is, um, she would have definitely sympathized with you, huh? <laughs> and the thing is, um, I remember, you know, my, the, the look on my mom's face, like saying, I can't believe but, that you're saying mm -hmm. this, but... Let's call Let's now. a pastor. Absolutely. She called her pastor. We got on our knees. I started praying, guys. And I could have sworn that I heard a roar wow. when I prayed. I just heard, Rah! and my mom got scared. Because and she, she, she heard them or she saw your reaction? No, she heard it. She heard oh, wow. it, too. I was the one roaring. Oh, okay. I think it was an evil spirit That's in good. me. I really do think it was a demon in me. Mm -hmm. And then Not wanting to let go of its Absolutely. People. And it reminds me so much of the story of the gathering to, um, um, what's it called, the demon-possessed man, remember? Mm -hmm. In the book of Matthew, and I think in Mark also. Um, 
where the demon acknowledged Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And like almost yelled at Jesus, what have you come here for? Before the time, the set mm-hmm. time, you're coming to torment me. Don't send me to the abyss. And yet that man inside was probably crying out for Christ too, mm-hmm. man. And that's how I was inside. I was desperately crying out for help. And to be honest with you guys, because I had cursed the Lord's name and because I had denied Jesus, I had rejected him so much and mocked the Lord and even mocked Christianity. I could not fathom how he could love me. I could not fathom Mm. how he could want to help me. Mm. But I remember somehow I still remember that little voice in me, that voice saying, give your life to Jesus. And so we prayed. And I remember my mom called the pastor and I was like, okay, pray for him, please, you know. And I slept that night literally guys embracing my mom like in a fetal position Hmm. that's how i slept all night crying and shaking finally the next day my mom's like all right the next day we're gonna go to church but guess what the following morning the voices went away as soon as those voices went away i was like mom never mind i'm I'm okay i don't need to go to church oh my goodness and as soon as i said that the voices would get louder yeah and i'm like okay okay i'm gonna go to church i'm gonna go to church and I remember, guys, um, I went to church that day. My, my mom went to a small little Pentecostal church, you know, in, in by Beverly Boulevard around there in L.A., Beverly and, like, um, um, Rampart around there. And I remember going to, um, to that little church with my mom. And I felt bad seeing the pastor there because that was the pastor that I had told my mom I caught smoking drugs mm-hmm. in the alley. And, you know, the pastor was preaching, and, and you know, he, he preached a, 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 a strong sermon and then he said, you know, um, come to the altar and give your life to Christ. And I remember in my heart, I was literally saying and screaming, somebody, please drag me. Mm-hmm. Take me to the altar. Please, somebody help me. I was kicking the chairs. People in the church were afraid of me. I was kicking the chairs, pulling my hair, taking off my sweater, throwing it on the floor. I w- it was weird. I really felt like that demon possessed man. Mm-hmm. And nobody could restrain me. Nobody even dared to get close to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember finally I... Um, the pastor looked at me intently and said, you know, come to the altar. But then he said some words that at that moment I was like, who is he talking? And he goes, let him go. Hmm. In the name of Jesus, I'm telling you to let him go. And guys, as he was inviting me to the altar, cat, I was like this, look, even though my heart was crying and saying, yes, please, somehow my neck and my head were still, hmm. no, I'm going to let him go. I don't know how I got there. This part I can't remember. I kind of went blank. And I just remember suddenly being at the altar crying. But crying out of pain, crying because it was getting louder and louder. I felt like if somebody else was almost inside, in, in, in my heart, in my mind, it was scary. I've never felt that. Hmm. I felt demon possessed. Mm-hmm. And I remember suddenly um, crying out, and the pastor began to to pray louder for me. It was a Pentecostal church. Mm And in nombre de Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. praying for me really loud. And um, I remember in my mind at that moment, crying to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I really need you, but I really need the real Jesus. I don't need the Jesus that's, you know, in images or just the Jesus that I see in movies. I need you. If you really do exist, please, please, I need you now. And I remember crying so wholeheartedly. I cried with all my heart, and it was sincere at that moment. And I remember the pastor praying for me louder. And then my my pain was so intense, and then suddenly 
I don't even know how long it took for me praying that way, but I suddenly felt something I had never felt that way in my life, which was, I believe, the presence, of, well, I know now, the presence of the Lord. And the first, first, first thought Let's I go. had when I felt that presence, shame and filthiness. Mm. It's like, as soon as His light was in the room with me, and I'm not talking about, you know, visually seeing him the lord i did mm. not visually see him i did not see him with my eyes physically see him but it was a, a as real as seeing it physically you just knew. i just knew mm -hmm. and he's there and i remember like if i opened my eyes I, I felt like if i would have seen the lord that's how i felt but i felt light but in that light the first thing i noticed was my shame mm. and my my filthiness i saw all the stains on my clothes and I remember, just like when he reminded Peter, I remember at that very moment cursing mm. him three mm. times. Mm. I don't know why, but he brought that vividly to my, he brought that to my mind. Mm -hmm. You cursed me three times. And I started weeping so much, man, like Peter. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I cursed your name. How could I curse your name, Lord? That reminds me of the scripture yeah. of... Um, of godly grief. Yes, that leads to repentance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Repentance. And I remember at that moment, guys, I really just felt the Lord there. And, and I said, if you, I mean, I, at that point now, I know he's real. And I started crying because I couldn't believe he was really there. Mm -hmm. But then while I felt this shame, while I felt so filthy, so dirty, he touched me. And I was like, oh, Lord, I don't deserve this, please. And then, like instantly, I felt an enormous weight taken off my shoulders. Mm. Praise God. And I felt the Lord heal me. And it almost came with like a sound effect, like a movie sound mm -hmm. effect. I just felt like, we'll have to that's what that it went, like here. the, <laughs> yeah, that sound that effect, here. you know? Yeah. And I'm like, Whoa, my thoughts are clear. Mm. The voices are gone. And guess what I started to do? I started to cry so much. So the pastor, being a Pentecostal, Pentecostal pastor, thought that I was still, you know, suffering. Yeah. So he started praying louder. And then no murder. And I'm like, no, 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 pastor. Now I got to cry louder. I'm healed. Yeah. Please. The Lord saved me. The Lord transformed me. And guys, Man, I went in there kicking. I went in there pulling my hair, throwing my, my sweater on the floor, taking it off and throwing it on the floor. And suddenly, even though I did not know the, the lyrics, I was clapping and singing the hymns, mm. the Spanish the hymns, man, crying and crying in the Lord's presence. I had never felt that joy in my life. I had never felt that fullness in my life. Mm. And I remember going back in the church, man, and the pastor would take us to go get donuts after church, you know? And I remember I started talking to everybody in the donut shop about the Lord Jesus. And then we get home. And I remember getting home. And I put on a, a radio station. And there was this, um, a, 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 I think it was a black preacher. And he was preaching and, you know, singing, you know, and... They, really, they played a song that I just remember th this, this line from the song. And it, it said, stay with me, Jesus. Give me the right heart. Something like that. And I just remember I made those words mine. Mm. And I'm like, 
And I said words that I never thought in my life I would say, man. Mm -hmm. I said, I love you, Jesus. Because mm. that love he demonstrated to me, man. When I was yet an enemy, he loved me. And to think that he, he, he forgave me. And I was like, man, that was so powerful. And I remember telling my mom, I love Jesus, mom. I love Jesus. And just like that, the following morning, I kid you not, guys, the following morning, since the, most, the voices had gone away, I immediately started thinking about going back to my sinful life. And I'm like, oh, now that I'm better, you know, you had that voice come mm -hmm. back. No, 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 don't, don't fall. And I'm like, but then God in his love and in his mercy, just like when he blinded Paul, he didn't heal him right away. Mm. It took a little while. And I think it took a little while. It took a little while. I kept wavering for the first couple months, I think, all the way up to like five, six months. I kept wavering, like, maybe if the voices are completely gone, I can go back to my regular life now. And I thank God so much for his love and his mercy that he knew me so well that he knew this dude's stubborn. He's going to go back mm -hmm. to sinning again. Mm -hmm. And you know what? To living that lifestyle again. So he allowed a little thorn in my flesh for a while. I didn't have full peace and full until I literally devoured the scripture. I started reading the Bible, the old King James. Actually, I first started Reina Valera, which is equivalent to the old King James in Spanish. And then I read it in King James. You said you used to have trouble even finishing a sentence. I could not even finish a Let sentence. Let alone read. I could the not Bible. even correct. Right. Absolutely mm -hmm. not, especially in old without English. Cussing. Correct, because mm -hmm. I used to cuss so much, man. I couldn't finish a sentence without cussing. Well, I couldn't finish a sentence as a Christian initially because I'm like, eh, eh, eh. Mm -hmm. every other word was mm -hmm. a cuss word, you know? And. Um, but the Lord started to renew my mind through the scriptures, mm -hmm. man. He started changing my worldview, changing the way I see the world, um, changing the way I think, the way I feel. And the word of God just transformed me, man. The word of God and his love and his mercy transformed me. Yes. And I you think... You went back a day No. drugs. Well, well here, here, here's something that I, I, I forgot to mention, I think even when I mentioned this to you before, is that within about maybe a week or so, I already knew myself, and I knew that every time that I thought I had left drugs, drugs had never left me, right? I always carried it with me in my heart. Mm -hmm. That dark guess was still inside my heart. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day, guys, waking up, because that would happen. After like about two weeks of me getting off drugs, that desire would start creeping back into my heart. And the first thing that I would think of when I would wake up in the morning is, oh, that urge, that desire to go roll up a, a you know some a joint with weed and crack and smoke it and the devil would always send a friend mm. or even just an acquaintance to to me when i thought i was going to quit always somebody to provide that drug and i remember that day i woke up and i almost cried thinking about it i even made this gesture with my hand you know and i'm like hurt because you're craving no, it so much or no because it was no longer there anywhere mm -hmm. to be found I even sought it. I, I sought for it. I, I looked for it. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I know it's going to come. I know it's, it's going to be here. And then suddenly, I remember saying, Lord, it's no longer there. I don't have to be afraid of this anymore. Mm. Man, and I walked down that alley where I would always get stuck with one of my friends smoking, doing drugs. And I left for joy. Literally left for joy. Mm. And thanked the Lord and praised God so much, saying, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, because you really delivered me from even my thoughts, my emotions, my desires for this fully, drug. Powerfully, fully, powerfully. Fully. That's right. 
That's right. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. I think it's really important for people to hear the power of the Lord and what He can do. Um, what He can take you from, but more importantly, where He can take you to. Right? So maybe you can talk about... Uh, where He take me to? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think within about a year, I had already... Actually, after seven months, I think I read through the whole Bible. I read through the whole Bible and I was devouring. Read the Bible in a one-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> and I was reading, you know, um, then I started reading it in English, then in bilingual. And then I just started praying, praying, praying and getting more and more into the word, you know, um, struggling with the word in that sense, meaning, you know, with certain topics, certain themes, doctrines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I just started loving the word of God. And at the church, they saw the transformation. They saw, you know, the testimony. And they actually assigned They're me to there, preach. Like, watching Saul turn into yeah, Paul. Yeah, They're like, yeah. oh, they, and, they, and, they, and they assigned me to <laughs> preach like after, like I think, my first year, maybe okay. a year and a half of being a Christian. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, um, you know, Elizabeth Rubio, who I consider like my spiritual godmother, you know, um, God used her so much to help me during mm-hmm. those couple first couple months. And then eventually, you know, she'd pick me up or I'd go to her house and we'd talk about the scriptures. And then it got to the point where um, we started discussing scripture. And, you know, and, she, and, and now she says it, you know, and this is all to the glory of God. No, no glory to me, but all the glory is to the Lord. Um, she started telling me, now you're teaching me, Manny, mm. you know. And um, the Lord really, I love this phrase that, that we see, I think is it is in Luke or on the road to Damascus, right? On the two disciples that were on the road to Damascus. And when the scripture says that Jesus opened the scriptures to them. He opened the scriptures to them. And that's when I realized, I remember praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, um, how I wish that you would send me a Paul. Mm. How I, as a Timothy, Lord, I need a Paul. Send me a brother, older brother in in Christ, knowledgeable in the scriptures that could teach me the scriptures. And I literally cried for it. I literally did. And I'm like, Lord, please, I want to know the Bible. And I remember the Lord telling me as I was praying, you have the apostles. John, Matthew, right? Mm-hmm. Mark, no, not Mark, because not an apostle. Matthew, yeah. mm-hmm. John, and John. And then, you know, James and the apostle Paul. Is that a trick? And I'm like, Is that a trick question? Uh-huh. And I'm like, what do you mean um, the apostle? I'm like, oh, okay. And I remember reading a scripture when um, the, the, the Lazarus and the rich man are in hell, are in Hades, right? And, and then the rich man tells Abraham, Father Abraham, um, even if you can't send Lazarus to, to, you know, dip his finger in water and dip it and put it on my tongue, at least send somebody to go tell my brothers to not come to this place. And I remember Abraham saying, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And what he meant was they had the scripture. And that's what I know the Lord was saying. And what he's saying is, you have the scripture. I'll open the scripture for you. And the apostles will teach you. Because remember, the Lord commanded them to teach us in Matthew 28, right, 19, teach us everything that he had taught them, that he had commanded them, to keep everything that he had commanded them and taught them. So I'm like, okay. And I just started delving into the Bible more. And I really felt that the Lord started opening Scripture to me. I began to understand things in the Scriptures to the point where once again, all to the glory of God, even in the old church that I went to, they would ask me about certain doctrinal things. And I was a very young believer. And, you know, um, I think the Lord just really started opening the scriptures to me and and helping me to understand the Bible. 
And for the longest time, because I did go to a Pentecostal church, I wanted to be a very loud and vehement preacher, <laughs> like the Pentecostal preachers. But I always felt a, a gift of teaching more than being that loud preacher, you know. And, and I said, no, I don't want this. I don't want this. I'm like, no, but that's the gift that the Lord is giving me. And I really felt, and I, I, so I love to t teach the scriptures. I love to talk to people about the scriptures. And, and um, I love to study doctrinal issues, doctrinal things in scriptures. I love theology. And after that, you know, I, I prayed to God, and, and I, I, I had a desire to be a missionary. I wanted to do missionary work, you know, and um, uh, I did. I, I went to Mexico for a while, and I was planning to go to the Middle East. And unfortunately, in, in, in a lot of Christian walk, there's also certain things that even when we give our life to the Lord Jesus, um, there's certain areas where still um, we probably haven't fully surrendered to them. And in one of those stubborn areas, well, I think I, I rushed into a marriage, you know, uh, prematurely, you know, and, you know, um, went into the mission field um, with my ex-wife and, you know, ended up that that's not what she wanted to do. And things didn't turn out well. And then, um, unfortunately, I was no longer able to do missionary work because the church I went to was very strict about that. And I was very, and I, and I felt terribly condemned myself, you know. And it took me a while um, to really um, get over that and, and, and reconcile that with God, with God first and foremost in His Word. And now, um, I love to teach the Scripture, and I, I love that, you know, the Lord brought you into my life. That's one of the greatest, greatest things that has happened in my life, you know. The Lord bringing you into my life, you you compliment me so well, and um, not complete, right? The Lord completes us, but you compliment me so well. We compliment each other so well, and now in this ministry here, um, I think you know that's that's my desire to 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 help you in this ministry and to 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 what's it called? Emphasize the the need for for learning the Word of God and for staying faithful and true to to good biblical doctrine. I think that's one of the things that um, God has gifted me in and, and, and has given me discernment to be able to, to, to separate between being passionate about God is one thing and having zeal, but it has to be with knowledge. And I think so much is going on in the church now, so much is going on in the world where the church remains silent, the church doesn't speak up, because it's afraid to tackle certain issues. And, and I think that's because we've forgotten how to be loving yet still uncompromising when it comes to biblical doctrines. We feel that somehow biblical doctrines are out of touch with real-world scenarios. You know, we always go back to these things, right, where we lo look at something in Scripture versus the reality of it, you know, whether it's a family member or somebody else. But, Lord, look, they're living like this, and even if they're living like this, and I know the Bible says this, but, you know, there has to be some compromise here because they love each other. You know, whether it's in a same-sex, you know, relationship where you have family members that are in a same-sex relationship or you have family members that support abortion and, and certain things where I think, you know, we've, we've lost the ability to be able to somehow harmonize that and say, no, I can both be very firm and say, call this out as sin, starting with my own personal sin, right? Call sin out and yet still say, I love you right? and Jesus loves you, mm -hmm. but the truth is not going to change for anybody else. I mean, even Jesus himself, and you've taught me this well, has good boundaries, right? right. And when the disciples approached him in John chapter 6, you know, after um, bringing, uh, multiplying the bread and the fish and giving them this bread and, and then those same people asking for more bread, 
And Jesus said, nope, I am the bread of life. This is the real bread of life. And they got mad at him and said, well, if you don't drink from my blood and eat from my flesh, you have no part in me. They're like, what is he talking about? Cannibalism to the point where the disciples came to him in John, what, 655 or something like 644 or something like that. Said, you know what, Lord, your word is too harsh. You need to tone mm -hmm. it down a bit. Lord, your word is too tough. We're losing disciples. And what did the Lord say to them? Remember? There's the door. There's the door. If you don't want to be If here. you also want mm -hmm. to leave, go ahead. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. The Lord would never compromise truth, even for his own disciples. And I think sometimes we forget that. And we let things get so personal and say, oh, it's because there's a family member who now says they do this or they practice that. And because of that, we're afraid. Or we, we've automatically labeled it as political. So because it's political, it can't be discussed from the pulpit. And there's just so compromise in these areas, so much compromise. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that through the ministry, through this ministry here, you know, that we combine our gifts and that the Lord would reach out to people and, and, and confirm that sound biblical doctrine along with good, you know, practical approaches to how to handle these situations mm -hmm. in love, you know? Yes, definitely. Definitely looking forward to um, helping people through this ministry, through this podcast, to get rooted in the Word, to know Christ more, and to help that transform our lives. Amen. Right? Amen. Okay. So, do you? So, just a couple questions, quick questions. Um, can you compare your life before Christ to your life after Christ? Which one is better? Obviously. It's a simple question. Obviously, the one after, yeah. for sure. And why? Um, there's a difference now. You know, even when 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 we stumble, um, there was a time in our lives where, or in my life, right, when I would stumble and I wouldn't really care about who mm. I offended. I wouldn't care about asking for forgiveness. I wouldn't care about breaking a commandment or disobeying the Lord. Um, where now it's different. Now that I, I know the Word of God, it convicts me when I sin. It convicts me when, mm. when, I, when I'm, what's it called? Better. Correct. You're saying that's better. Absolutely, that's much better. Even though the world thinks that it's freedom to not have conviction. Correct, and I, I love God's conviction because it tells me that He loves me. It tells me mm. that I'm His son. And, you know, the Bible says that in the book of, of, of Hebrews, right, chapter 12, it says, if the, everybody who the Lord loves, he will discipline. Mm -hmm. All who he takes as a son, he will chastise. Mm -hmm. So if he didn't chastise us, then the scriptures has a very strong word. We would not be children, but illegitimate children. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And he disciplines us for one reason, so that we can participate in his holiness. And I think the, the greatest thing about walking in Christ and this is ironic because even now, even now that I was a little stressed over work, you know, mm -hmm. we we're talking about, you know, and even then there's something different about being able to come to the greatest high priest, a high priest who, you know, can sympathize with all of our weaknesses because he was tempted mm -hmm. in everything just as we are, but without sin. Mm -hmm. I've heard that somewhere. That's in Hebrews chapter four. Uh -huh. right? Therefore, yeah. we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the difference. Not that we don't make any mistakes, not that we don't blunder, that we don't stumble. We definitely do. I still get mad, and sometimes I know I need to tame that anger. And the Holy Spirit convicts me when I have that anger, right? The Holy Spirit convicts me. Sometimes through your wife. Yes, <laughs> a lot through my wife, and a lot just through the Scripture. Yeah. And you convict me using the Scripture, so mm -hmm. that's good, right? And I think that um, as a believer, now that I have that, I, I saw a time in my life when I didn't have that, 
when there was no conviction, when there was no repentance, because there was only darkness and not walking with Christ. And now that I know and have the light of Christ, whenever I feel that I'm walking outside that light, Christ convicts me, mm -hmm. Christ disciplines me, and I love that. Because it's like accepting the correction of your parent when you know you've done something wrong and you've been stubborn and then later on you say, I'm sorry, mom and dad, you know what, you were right. Mm -hmm. And you realize that the reason they were telling you that was because they love you. Yeah. That's what the author of Hebrews says, right? He says, our parents disciplined us for what they thought was good. How much more will the father of discipline us, the father of the spirits discipline us? That's what Hebrews 12 says. But he disciplines us, not just for earthly things, mm -hmm. but so that we can partake in his holiness. holiness. And to me, that's one of the greatest benefits of walking in Christ now. I am unholy. And I often look at my heart and recognize that, man, Lord, how I wish that the day I gave my life to you, I would never in my life sin again after mm -hmm. that. How I wish that. And one of the things in my eschatology, right, in my study of, of, of future events mm -hmm. that I long for the most, that I hope for the most, is permanent holiness. Mm -hmm. When I no longer ever sin against God in my mind, and in my, in my thoughts or even in my actions. Isn't the irony that... In the world, you think freedom is being away from Christ. But when you're in Christ, being obedient leads to freedom. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. What would you say to somebody who is on the fence? Maybe who was in doing the things that you were doing before you knew Christ um, in any aspect. Um, what, would you, what would you say to them? Who's on the fence about, should I accept Christ? Should I not? I don't know if I can leave. I would say. This life. I would say, um, even if you don't feel like it, even if you're not in the mood, just out of the sense of knowing that we carry judgment in our hearts when we don't know mm. Jesus. Um, and that's one thing that I, 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 I normally share in my testimony too, that one of the greatest signs that I saw of being transformed and, and having um, the life of Christ in us now, having that salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, one of the greatest benefits is that you no longer feel that judgment in your heart mm. or the condemnation, right, mm -hmm. of, of suffering eternally apart from God. Where prior to knowing Christ, no matter how happy I looked, mm. no matter how strong I felt, but when my friends were not around and every single night, or when I would walk down a dark alley thinking, man, what if a rival gang sees us and mm. shoots us, kills me, or mm. doing something else, yeah. what if I get killed? The immediate thought I would think is, I don't want to die because I'm afraid of where I'm going. I never told my friends that. Yeah. But inside my heart, I always thought that. And I'm like, I know where I'm going. Not good. because I doubted where I was going, but because I had condemnation in my heart. And it's really good for people to hear because sometimes I think one of the things that's off-putting to them about accepting Christ is that... You know, the, to, to them, the, the Christian living seems boring or yeah, not really alluring, which, again, just as a reminder, part of this podcast is you don't have to, if you're a Christian, you don't have to be boring. You just can't sin, right? So we're looking forward to a lot of fun things There is in nothing secular but sin From? when you're a believer. Who says that? Dallas Willard. Absolutely. Um, but sometimes what's, what's off-putting to them is that the world looks like they're having so much fun. The way that the world copes looks so alluring and seducing. I mean, that's the way of the devil. Right? Absolutely. It's like cotton candy, like empty, 
empty. It's, it looks filling. It looks delicious. Really, you just have empty calories that you're still hungry. What after, was that right? island called where Pinocchio went? Do you remember? No. In the Pinocchio movie. Hmm. You know, Pinocchio gets lured by these wolves. Oh, I think it yeah, is. Yeah. And yeah. I forgot. It's not Dreamland or, or Fantasy Land or Fantasy Island. No, that's 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 a whole other that's a whole show. other show, huh? <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> he goes to this island. I forgot what it was called, but he's given all this candy. Mm. Kids can do what yeah. an island for boys, all boys. Yeah. They could do whatever no they boys. want. Yeah. But then suddenly, they turn into donkeys. Oh. Right, and that's what happens. I must have missed that part in the movie. Yeah, they yeah. turn into beasts, into animals. Oh, okay. And that, and and these guys, I think they sell them as animals or something like that. But mm. anyhow, um, they lure them in and they deceive them. They mm -hmm. promise them sweetness. They promise them mm -hmm. everything they want. They promise them liberty, freedom, mm -hmm. do as thou wilt. Mm. But then suddenly. They're turned into beasts. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens. There's this fa facade in the world, mm -hmm. right? That we, we there, there's this big, um, what's it called, theater we put on. Yeah, you that know? they're happy, that they're not missing out, that they're having more fun than you. Absolutely. Right? They're having Absolutely. more fun than you. Um, and nothing could be further from the truth. Right. So I think people need to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, you know, if somebody is on the fence and they're thinking about it, listen to that conviction in your heart. Because in your heart, you know in your heart, not necessarily that you doubt where you're going outside of Christ, but that you know where you're going mm. outside of Christ. Powerful. And that's, that's something to be afraid of. Yeah. The scripture says, you know, um, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Mm. You know, in the Old Testament and in olden times, like in, you know, even in, Gre in Greek mythology, people feared rebelling or displeasing one of the gods. There were so many gods, right? And, and Paul says, those are false gods. Those gods That's will right. do nothing to you. That's right. But, whoa, whoa, right? <laughs> yeah. Unto you have you fallen into the hands mm -hmm. of a living God. That's right. And because the author of Hebrews says, our God is a consuming fire. fire. Absolutely. What would be one thing that if, let's say, you know, they gone through this hour and they said, that was um, a really amazing testimony. I can't remember every bit of piece of it. What would be the one thing you'd want them to take away from today if that was all they were to remember? Definitely, definitely is you must if you are a believer. If you are a believer. If you're not a believer, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus because outside of Jesus, even when it appears to be good and happy and nice, it's a deception. Mm -hmm. In your heart, we carry that condemnation. We carry that fear. And that's why the, uh, the Apostle John, right, in 1 John writes, for perfect fear, I mean, perfect love casts Cast out fear. fear. Yeah. Just the way perfect fear casts out love, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. But perfect love casts out all fear. For where there is, um, um, what's it called, fear, there is condemnation. Meaning you're afraid because you know you're condemned. But when you're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation to those condemnation right. to those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. that's right. And that's the thing. You need to seek that. You need to seek that that true freedom, that true joy. That's a joy and freedom that doesn't depend on your physical circumstances. Mm -hmm. Right? That's right. It's one of our philosophies. It doesn't right depend in. on the happenings in your on life. Your... That's not happiness, mm -hmm. right? This is more than the pursuit of happiness. Your joy doesn't, isn't dependent. Something we're pushing for is that your joy is not dependent upon your circumstances, people, or things. That's something that at Rooted that we push for and also on this podcast. And so, so even if you don't feel like it, even if you're not in the mood, open up the Bible and read the Bible. 
Um, the Word of God is powerful. It's more powerful than a double-edged sword. Mm. And it cuts through the thickest skin. It breaks through the hardest heart, mm-hmm. right? That's right. And, Absolutely. And it gives us a, a heart of flesh. That's right. A softened heart. So get rooted, rooted in the word. That's right. That's what's going to impact your life the most. Get rooted in the word and the Bible will transform the way you think. And that's how the Lord has transformed you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we want to thank you for coming on. Um, So one of the special things is that Manny is a guest today, a special guest. uh, But also he'll be co-hosting very often. So you will see him around very often. So we thank you for sharing your story. There's more stories. Praise God. Um, there's a lot more to the story, but this is what we're going to get in one hour. That's right? correct. So um, thank you to all those who are, all the viewers who are watching and to all the listeners who are listening. We're very thankful for you. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you got some benefit out of today, if you have some thoughts about um, something that many has shared and, and were impacted in a positive way, feel free to, to comment on that and uh, give us a like and subscribe. We will be on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, of course, and the platforms for podcasts. Feel free to share it with your family and friends. Um, Again, we're so thankful that you're with us, and we look forward to uh, sharing with you weekly testimonies, topics, and um, things to help encourage you. So um, can you take us out in prayer? I know. I keep on saying take us out in prayer. Close us us in prayer. Okay. Take us out. Maybe we won't wake up. Okay. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we (laughs) thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your mercy. We thank you because even in the midst of turmoil, Lord, you call us in the midst of even our own disobedience, you, you rebuke us, you exhort us, and you discipline us to bring us back into your flock. We thank you for being such a good shepherd. Um, we, like sheep, constantly go astray. And we thank you for loving us. We thank you for seeking us in the deepest valleys and in the highest mountains, Lord. In those crevices where we sometimes hide in or we fall into, Lord. You come and you restore us, and you seek us and you save us. You mend our wounds, Lord, and you take us in your arms, and you take us back to the, to the sheepfold, back to the flock, Lord. I thank you so much for that. I pray, Father, that um, you would open the scriptures to all those who listen to this podcast, who watch this podcast. I pray, Father, that you would give them a, a renewed um, desire to read your word, Oftentimes, Lord, when we haven't read your word and we get back into it, we realize how much we've missed it. The devil puts that veil of deceit over us so much by distracting us with so many things in this life. Help us to not be distracted from your word. Your word is is such a a wonderful fountain of life for us, Lord. Um, You give us to drink of, of, of your water, of your delight, the fountain of your delight, Lord, the the fountain of everlasting life. We thank you for that word that we have, Lord, even not just in, 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 in paperback, not just in leather bound, but we even have it in our phones now, Lord. We can access it, access it so easily, Lord. I pray that you help us get into the word. I pray that you open the scriptures to us, Lord. And I pray that if there are any watching or hearing this podcast, Lord, who has not given their life to you, has not made that decision, I pray, Lord, that you would put that weight in their hearts, Lord, of the reality of being eternally separated from you. 
Lord, mm. and and the, and the reality of the the apparent happiness and and fullness that they have in the world is so fleeting. It's so temporary, Lord. It's so temporal, and it dissipates like a cloud, Lord, when trials come, when tribulations come. But whenever someone is grounded in your word and rooted and edified in your word, Lord, it's like building a house on a rock. Even if storms come and winds blow and waves crash against that house, it doesn't fall because it's built on the rock. Mm. You are our everlasting rock. Help us to build our lives upon you. Yes, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to send you off. Have a wonderful week. God bless. Week. God bless Have a you. Good evening. Ciao.